Hello and welcome to the Latter-day Saint Women podcast, where we share the legacy of women of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You'll get to know the faithful women who shaped our past and hear from inspiring women of faith today. I'm Shailen Back. And I'm Carly Guyman. We are your co-hosts. And today we are so honored to welcome President Jean Bingham, the Relief Society General President, to our show today. Sister Bingham, welcome. Oh, thank you. It's a great opportunity to be here. <laughs> we're so happy to have we're, you. We're really excited. Thank you. As a quick introduction, President Bingham is the 17th General Relief Society President, where she has served since April of 2017. And at the time of her call, she was serving as a counselor in the primary general presidency. And prior to that, she had served on the primary general board. President Bingham grew up across the United States, and she and her husband raised their family in the Chicago, Illinois area. So President Bingham, we're really grateful for this opportunity to talk with you, to learn more about these experiences and the background that you have that's shaped your life and prepared you to serve, and and also to discuss a few topics that we know are on the minds of sisters in the church today. So thank you again for being here. So President Bingham, to dive right in, to get to know you and your family, you and your husband have two children and five grandchildren, and you've also shared that you were foster parents to teens and children, and you've said many of those teens and children have become a part of your family. And we'd love to know what led you and your husband to become involved in foster care and what you learned and experienced and and how it shaped who you are today. Do you know, it's been a wonderful opportunity to be a foster parent. And the funny thing is that we never really planned to do that. It just happened. You know, we came into it kind of the back door. We always wanted a lot of children. Mm-hmm. But when we were married, it wasn't happening. Matter of fact, we were having no children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, time was going by and we were not having any children. But finally, I had a successful pregnancy, resulted in the birth of a child. And But still, there were more frustrating years where no children were coming. Finally, the doctor said, you know, it's surprising that you two had any children at all. Really? (laughs) If you want any children, more children, you should adopt. Mm -hmm. So we eagerly started that process. And it took about a year. And we were told that in about a month, we were going to be receiving a little baby. And we were so excited. And then one month before I anticipated receiving this little baby, I was astounded to find out that I was pregnant. Wow. So, of course, we were thrilled about that, and we had that child. And when she was about six months old, they asked if we'd be willing to do foster care because going through the process for adoption, we had become uh, legally uh, approved to do foster care. We said, sure, we would. So that's really how we got into it. We had no idea mm-hmm. the, the opportunity that we would have and the things that we would learn. And during the oh, about two decades that we were able to do foster care, they gave us teen birth mothers and the newborns and school-aged children and teens, and we learned a lot. You know, one thing that we learned is that children are resilient, that the trajectory of their lives can be changed, can be positively impacted Mm -hmm. by receiving love and encouragement. We also learned that there's an urgent need to strengthen families and that all of us need to be aware of children and teens around us and really consciously and generously give that love and encouragement. And I think also through these experiences, I learned that there is a divine plan that the Lord is in charge, and that trusting His timing can bring us peace, even though it doesn't remove the trial that we're experiencing. Mm-hmm. You know, all those decades of longing and trying, you know, every month is a disappointment, mm-hmm. every pregnancy test is a downer. You go through those experiences, and I become very sensitive to fertility issues, as you can imagine. And I'm also very aware of the need to strengthen parents and families and children of all ages 
And I'm really grateful that the Lord has provided some help right at this time for individuals and families in the church. When you think about the current church programs, Come Follow mm-hmm. Me and Children and Youth, and we're working on even more ways to improve how to do that, how to strengthen families and children's. We really appreciate you opening up and sharing about your experience with foster care and adoption and infertility. And it's like that just really resonates with so many people. And so it's really Mm -hmm. nice to have that validation that people aren't alone in those trials. And it's really helpful to know about other people that have gone through it and found ways to overcome it or just kind of live through it. It's really nice to hear that from you. So thank you Mm -hmm. for sharing. Oh, you know, it is interesting to know how many women have experienced infertility mm-hmm. uh, or lots of different kinds of challenges. But you do, you feel like you have a compatriot when you yeah. find others that have had those same experiences and how they've handled it helps you to say, okay, I can do this too. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a real blessing to know that we're not alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we've really loved interviewing the general officers of the church and hearing more about your personal experiences and your family experiences, and then also your responsibilities as the Relief Society general president. You serve on the church's Welfare and Self-Reliance Executive Council and on the board of the Latter-day Saint Charities directing the humanitarian work of the church worldwide. And it's just so interesting to see how your experiences help you in these areas. For example, you earned a master's degree in teaching, and you have experience teaching English as a second language to children and adult immigrants, and then you've done substantial volunteer work with refugees. And Sister Bingham, we would love to hear from you. What have you learned from these experiences? And if you have any specific lessons that you've taken from other parts of your life and then applied to the spiritual well-being that you have this responsibility for. When I look back at my life, I'm humbled and amazed at how the Lord has given me opportunities to learn what would be helpful in this calling through such a variety of experiences through the years. And you know what? I believe that happens to everyone who's willing and trying to follow the guidance of the Spirit. You know, the Lord knows our potential. He knows the experiences we need, and He'll lead us to fulfill whatever it is. If we're working to do what he knows would help us best. And I've found that in my life. I think about one of my favorite scriptures is Doctrine and Covenants. Very simple. The Lord requireth the heart and a willing mind. And when I think about the heart, of course, that's I'm wanting to learn to love him and to learn to love others. That's my heart. And a willing mind is simply opening our mind and spirit to do his will. Now, I started out, as you mentioned, uh, I intended to be a nurse. Although I loved what I learned in that field and I've used it throughout my life, Education was a field I was guided to pursue. Teaching ESL, English as a Second Language, immigrants and Mm -hmm. refugees, really opened my eyes to the challenges of all newcomers, and it gave me a heightened appreciation for the richness of the cultures around the world. And, you know, that has been so helpful in my calling today, as you can imagine, as I meet women Mm -hmm. from all over the world. I have a greater understanding and appreciation for their circumstances and their challenges. Mm -hmm. And I also recognize, though, that despite these differences, women around the globe have the same hearts. They want to lift and love and help wherever they are. And, you know, those early experiences working with people from diverse situations has helped me to look at all the work we're doing now with really a worldwide perspective. And we have to. Our religion is worldwide, and so we have to recognize these and see everybody around the world and what they bring and what they're experiencing in their backgrounds. Mm -hmm. We have to. It's critical to helping one another and to loving one another. 
when we can see one another as sisters, no matter what our economic status, no matter what our educational basis, no matter what our marital status, those are the commonalities that Heavenly Father says, love one another. And it's beautiful to see, as you reflect back on your life, the way that the Lord prepared you and guided you for where you are now. And I think that's remarkable to see on a general level how he's guiding and directing things, but that you say, too, that each of us could look back on our lives and see where we are having a a heart and a willing mind that the Lord will guide us to where we need to be and prepare us for Mm -hmm. the things that are ahead. Exactly. It's neat to see that reflected in your life and in your experience. So we want to pivot now to address something that you are very passionate about and that you shared is very important to you. And that is helping every woman in the Relief Society feel that they belong, that they are loved, that they are truly needed in their kingdom, just like we talked about, regardless of their background or their status or their race, any other category that we would separate ourselves into. And you and your counselors were recently interviewed on LDS Living's All In podcast. And in that interview, it came up that two-thirds of the women Women in the church are single. And I think that this is a surprising statistic for people to hear and it catches them. And I think it's such an important thing to be aware of. And we know that some of these single sisters, not all of them, but some say that in this position they feel maybe out of place or they feel underutilized. We would love for you to have the opportunity to share what you would say to these women who maybe feel like the minority, but that are actually the majority. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, and how they can be reminded of their value and their unique personal mission, what they've been guided to in their life. If I had the wish of my heart, (laughs) I would fervently wish that all women would understand their worth and that they absolutely belong in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Every single woman, 18 to 108, (laughs) is a valued member of the Relief Society. The interesting statistic that the majority of adult women in the church are single really should help every woman, regardless of her current circumstance, to realize that she's not alone, but in fact is in very good company. (laughs) Right. You know, one of the beauties of, I think, Heavenly Father's plan is the uniqueness of individuals. The value of each one is actually dependent on personal characteristics, which, of course, will be all different. We need all of the different varieties of background and experience and Those outlooks and perspectives really create a richness that enhances every member's life, every woman's life, and certainly improves the effectiveness of our work in Relief Society. Oh, absolutely. And I think I recall Sister Eubank in that podcast saying that that's not how she should be defined. She said, there's so much more to me than being single. My and marital I, status. And, yeah. and that's how we all feel, too. Like, there's so much more to me than these categories that we can put ourselves in or be put into. And also with our unique talents and skills and backgrounds and capabilities, we just have so much to offer, no matter who we are. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And one of the challenges that we get as women, maybe it's unique to us, but we, it's probably not, but we tend to compare ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so often we think we need to be bought like someone else in order to be valued. And that is so, so wrong. Mm-hmm. Each person, their unique capabilities are really what gives them value. And when we can look at each other and say, she has this capacity, and she has this ability, and she has this talent. Isn't that great? Let's put those together, and we can be 
more than just the little bits we put together. It really becomes a great whole when we can do that rather than comparing ourselves to others. And focusing on what we don't have or can't exactly. do because that is so, it's so easy to do <laughs> mm-hmm. in whatever just... in whatever stage or yep. whatever category yeah. you're in, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, definitely. Before this interview, I talked with a, a friend of mine, a close friend who's single in her 30s in the church, and you know, just was like, "What's on your mind? What worries you? What would you want to ask?" And that's something that was important to her was being reminded that you know, I have a personal mission and this is not an accidental path or a forgotten path. I'm not just forgotten from Heavenly Father and these blessings that I desire, but that there is a plan for me. And I think that that's really important for each sister to remember, regardless of their situation, that when we are asking and inviting the guidance of Heavenly Father in our lives, then our paths will be guided. Oh, I love that. And because Heavenly Father will guide us in our individual path. No Mm -hmm. two paths are exactly alike. And so when we can embrace that, that my path is different than yours, and we can applaud one another's choices and paths, that's when we're going to be able to move forward in unity and grow. When I think about the statistic, too, I think that there is not one look of a single woman in the church. There's so many circumstances that could create a situation where a woman is single. So you've got young adults at 18. They mm-hmm. may be getting married later. You have divorced women. You have widowed women. There's so many varieties of single that not one is the same, and each are valued. We rejoice in the capacities for leadership and the spiritual strengths that are evident in our single sisters just as much as in those who are married. There is no difference. And also that we're working on opening up the understanding of members and leaders to a recognition of the incredible capabilities of women that are independent of marital status. Sister Bingham, in a recent general conference talk, you taught about the pattern of councils. And I think many of us want to know how female officers in the church are involved and influence decision-making, particularly in the church's response to current issues and events. For example, with our current situation with COVID-19, we would love to know what is your role and the other women leaders, what what are your roles in being involved in the response to COVID-19? And how do you continue to play a role in all these things that come with it, calming fears, facilitating accurate information, and serving the poor and needy during this global crisis that we're in? Well, as you mentioned earlier, uh, the Relief Society General Presidency are members of the Welfare and Self-Reliance Executive Council, as well as board members of the Latter-day Saint Charities with the presiding bishopric. And we have the opportunity to weigh in on decisions to responses to current crises like natural disasters and the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, you know that Sharon Eubank, my first counselor, happens to be the director. It's a nice connection to have, It's a very handy connection. (laughs) The director of Latter-day Saint Charities. And so she's naturally our point person in the response to these relief efforts. But it's really marvelous to be in the committees, in the councils, and actually discuss about what can we do and and how we're going to go forward in these responses. You're all aware of the recent project, right? The Relief Society partnered with the uh, local hospital groups in Utah to provide personal protective equipment when the medical caregivers didn't have enough of these medical masks they needed at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. So Relief Society members and their families and their neighbors, they came to pick up pieces and sew and return finished medical masks. 
over several months, week after week. It was really astounding. We would come and thank them when they picked them up and thank them when they delivered them back. And it was remarkable to see these wonderful women and families do that. And the effort resulted in more than 5 million masks. The volume is astounding. It is absolutely astounding. Well, and even the quantity in, in those packets they were picking up. Wasn't it? it was like a hundred a hundred and some would take several packs, and yeah. they would do this with they would pick it up on Tuesday and deliver it on Saturday. It's amazing, and I know one young mother who did two thousand herself, as you talked about, you know what are our efforts to combat fear and anxiety and that mm. this gave a lot of women an opportunity to say, okay, there's something this I can something do about I can do. this, yeah, and so they were really happy to participate and then show her children. I'm just imagining her children watching her do this and the opportunity that she had to explain why she was so, part exactly. of like participating mm-hmm. in this relief effort. I think that's amazing. And she had them participate. She helped them learn how to pin the parts, but not sew them, but so they had a part so they could feel proud that they had given some effort to that's this. Amazing. Yeah. That's really so. amazing. So that's just one thing. You know, in the ongoing efforts over the past several months, you probably read in the church news and other areas that the humanitarian response for COVID-19 has been the largest effort they've ever put forward. It's in like 136 countries. It's huge, really ex- huge effort, yeah. And not only just here in Utah, but the church has given millions of masks church-wide, mm-hmm. and they have provided food. You know, there's a real food insecurity right now for a lot of people. And so they've partnered with charitable organizations to provide the food for these individuals and families. And this is just remarkable to be able to have just a little bit of input into that. The councils that we sit on, I want to tell you that they do truly listen to us. The brethren are very appreciative of the perspective that women bring because it's different and it's helpful. And as sisters learn that they can make a difference in their family councils, in, in their, their ward sphere. councils, mm-hmm. in their own sphere, in their communities, we'll be able to harness the power of Relief Society like never before. And just thinking of all the needs in the world right now, there's temporal needs, there's spiritual needs, and then President Nelson, I appreciate he recently said in a conference talk, emotional needs too. We have these needs that we need to be prepared for. And it's just so remarkable to hear all of the efforts that are being made. I think it's beneficial for us to be aware of what the church is doing, what its humanitarian arm is doing. And it's so wonderful to hear you share about the role that women are playing. And again, like we said earlier, it makes so much sense that the Relief Society is central to all of these efforts Mm -hmm. in the church to reach out and care for those in need right now. And it doesn't have to be a church-wide effort that makes a difference. Each woman can do just very small things, just reaching out to your own neighbor, listening to those who have anxiety, who are concerned, or who have economic issues. We sometimes discount our own individual efforts, and those are so important. Mm -hmm. Just reassuring one another. You know, you look at this COVID pandemic, and you think, oh, surely it's going to be over. Surely it's going to be over. (laughs) And every month, Mm -hmm. it's not. And we look forward to several more months, if not a longer time. And we need to realize as sisters, this is going to be life in the short term. And how can we help one another? How can we help our children? How can we help those within our spheres of influence feel joy? Mm -hmm. Because you can find joy in difficult times. And just those little bits of reaching out and listening, ministering to one another, making sure that you contact those who are feeling concerned, And remembering where does your strength come from? Mm -hmm. Whatever problems we have, 
honestly, when we turn to the Lord, we'll be able to find the peace that we need. I appreciate the reminder that the weight that we carry or the fear, anxiety that we carry can be lifted when we reach out to other people and care for them. Even if our efforts seem small or Mm -hmm. are small, they do make a difference. Yeah. President Bingham, you and our prophet, President Nelson, have both emphasized recently the priesthood authority and power that are accessible to women through both our callings and our covenants. And this is something that I think it feels like we're learning from a fire hose. We're learning so much about (laughs) this and it's so exciting and it's so great to hear both from you and from him on these topics. And you reminded us in your most recent conference talk in April of 2020, and I thought this was so interesting, that our understanding of this topic of priesthood authority and power will increase and can be expanded when we recognize the power of men and women working together and that our roles are complementary. And we would love for you to share some specific examples of how you and President Nelson and and other brethren are working together following this pattern to discuss this topic of priesthood power, to understand it, to be able to teach it as you are out and teaching this topic, how you're doing that together. You know, we've been studying this topic for a few years, and I have so much increased in my understanding. And then when I had the opportunity to visit with President Nelson, and then he gave his talk in October 2019 mm-hmm. about that very topic. It's just been almost mind-blowing. I wish I'd understood these things so much younger. Mm-hmm. But when you look back at the scriptures, for instance, the more we can work in unity, the more powerful we'll be. In our executive councils, we continue to talk about ways to help members understand and take advantage of the privileges both women and men have through the priesthood. And that, of course, is the overarching power through which all our work is accomplished, whether it's in the family, in the church, or in the community. I think one of the key understandings to appreciate is how men and women working together helps us accomplish our common goals. We all want the same things, don't we? Mm-hmm. And we don't need to work in a silo, but we can. when we work together, we're much more powerful. So we're continuing to teach that concept in our leadership instruction sessions to both Relief Society and Elders Quorum leaders. And I believe it will become more natural over time. I think one of the advantages that younger people have is that they are more used to working together in teams. Mm -hmm. And I think they can take that practice forward as they learn to work together in church callings. President Bingham, you mentioned that you wish you would have known these things earlier on. You know, and I think that's part of the beauty of the gospel, though, is that we're just always learning and we can always choose to learn more about something else. But I think, especially lately, women are really eager to better understand how we can access priesthood power and that it isn't just if you have a priesthood leader in your home, like that's not the only way. Mm -hmm. So what are some specific things that we can do to increase our understanding of priesthood authority and power and then to be able to follow this pattern of interdependence in our relationships with men, both in our personal relationships and in our church councils? You know, there's a wonderful series of articles in the church news. They're really excellent. They're titled Women of Covenant. And women have written about specific things they are doing to help them understand priesthood, authority, and power. I'd really recommend that you read those Mm -hmm. because they're told from quite a few different perspectives. And each of those who have written have said, I wish I understood this Mm -hmm. earlier. As President Nelson has said, this is the church of ongoing revelation. And that also means ongoing personal revelation. Yes, we see things change in the church, but also we can change individually as we study and learn. One of the things that has really helped me is I accepted President Nelson's invitation 
from October 2019, he invited all women to study and learn about priesthood authority and power. And as I've done that, it has impacted how I work and how I view the potential for women's contributions in the family, in the church, in the community. It's also been very interesting to watch the men that I work with understand this in a better way, even including my husband, (laughs) (laughs) who's a wonderful, wonderful companion. But it's really been interesting because as you understand more, you understand better how to coordinate your efforts. Again, that we're not working in silos, but we have common purposes. And if we put our efforts together, we're much more effective. And that includes parenting. It, it includes that kind of unity that helps us know how the Lord wants us to work together. Thank you so much for sharing. And I think we have been given a lot of guidance from our leaders of what we can study, things that we can refer to to learn more. And at least for me, I know it's a little bit overwhelming. It's kind of like, how do I get my arms around this really big topic that's really important that I know affects me and affects my family? And I do think we can link in the notes for this episode some of these talks. And like you said, hearing other people's perspectives, I think, are really helpful in their life, how they're better understanding it, how they're seeing seeing it play out in their marriages and in their church callings and elsewhere, like you said, just the way that women and men interact in other forums and other places. And I do think it is kind of a personal journey that they dive into their own personal study and learn and see things kind of unfolding in their life and that it's a journey that's worth taking. Oh, it absolutely is. I think you'll find when you do that, a lot of aha moments, not just one, but many oh, that's what that's been meaning all this time. And this is how is a better way to do that. Mm -hmm. You'll find lots of things that come to your mind that are specific to your particular situations that are also general. Mm -hmm. You'll find lots of light bulbs Mm -hmm. going off. Can you think of anything in particular that that helped your understanding along? As a general board, we've been studying this with our presidency, and we amassed all the scriptures that seemed to have to do with it. We studied the word preside. We studied authority. We studied all those words that lead into it and mm-hmm. talks by all the brethren going back quite a few years. Mm-hmm. And it was fascinating. That's meaningful for me to know that, mm-hmm. that that's something that you do together. That's awesome. I think that some of us are are waiting to be taught more. It's like, ah, I have, I have mm-hmm. these questions and I know that these leaders have talked about priesthood and that I have access to it as a woman, but it's so new and it's a little bit different and I'm not really sure how this exactly implements my life. And I think what and we want somebody to tell yes, us how. Yes. Yep. And I think that what you're saying and what our leaders have said, are, we invite you to dig in a Absolutely. little further. And President Nelson has said that, that we have to find out for ourselves. But as we study those impressions, those promptings, those light bulbs will come to us because through our own study. I have to say that working with the general board has been marvelous because you had this opportunity to counsel with very faithful women. And so they're coming at it from the same attitude, is that we want to find the Lord's truth, not my truth or her truth, but what is truly the Lord's truth. So whoever you counsel with, make sure that they are coming from a a 
a faith-based attitude as well. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think what you've shared there is a pattern that we can implement. First, something that we already do in Relief Society, we talk about these messages, Mm -hmm. right? And there's a wonderful opportunity now for a lot of people on an internet phone call with their sisters (laughs) as we talk about these different talks that leaders have given about priesthood power and how it relates to us. We can gather insights from each other. And I like the idea of finding a friend or, you know, even a spouse or as Mm -hmm. a family saying, we want to learn more about this and we feel like we could learn more from each other. I've talked with my adult daughters and it's been fascinating to get their perspective, which of course is different than mine just because of different generation. Mm -hmm. And that's been very valuable. Mm -hmm. President Bingham, you are the 17th General Relief Society president. And something valuable that we've done on this podcast is connect with significant women in the past and then look at how we have that legacy to build upon. So we would just love to know, do you feel a connection to the women who have led before you? And is there one in particular who inspires you or that you've learned from? Oh, I absolutely feel a connection. You know, in the Relief Society building, there's a room called the President's Room, and they have pictures of all of the previous Relief Society general presence. It's the most magnificent room. They also have pictures of all the previous Mm -hmm. young women general presence and the primary general presence. But I look at that wall of all those women, and I've read, of course, their biographies. Remarkable. Every single woman. They're very different, and yet each one was perfect for her era. I'll mention just a few, Mm -hmm. but um, I greatly admire Eliza R. Snow. She had such a capacity for leadership Yet she was such a creative and expressive writer. You don't really tend to put organization and Mm -hmm. artistic ability together, but she had that. She was remarkable. And I really admire Emmeline B. Wells Mm -hmm. for her tremendous work as a suffragist while also being ostracized because she was a polygamous wife. She was incredible. She was this little woman, (laughs) and she was older, and yet she was indefatigable. She had the energy And she worked up until the very end to share that vision with her sisters. She was remarkable. I'm also astounded by the strength of Belle Spafford. She served for 29 (laughs) years. Can you imagine? Can you fathom that right now? (laughs) 29 years. And she led the Relief Society through the consolidation years when most of the Relief Society projects, like hospitals and wheat projects and all these different things, were consolidated into the general church organization. Mm-hmm. And that was must have been very challenging. A and huge I, period of change oh, and transition. It was a huge and, period of change during that time. I remember with wonder Barbara B. Smith, and she led the Relief Society with strength at a time when it was a very divisive political environment, and yet she had to stand up and speak up, and it was very difficult in that environment because it was the women's rights. Mm-hmm. And so I really admire her, how she had to stand strong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I really appreciate every one of the others who lived during my lifetime. Because whether I was a young adult or whether I was a young mother, as a church worker, and my roles even in the community, their examples and words help me understand and begin to fulfill my divine roles. So I really can't pick just one. They have all impacted my life hugely. As you've mentioned these names and talked about their legacies, there's a lot of strength that we can take from our history 
and take from women who have built this foundation before us. And I think that there is only strength and inspiration that can be found from learning about them and learning their stories. And that's why I love the room that you described. You walk into that room and it's like, I am among these faithful, powerful, inspiring women, and they have helped bring us to where we are today, the entire church. And it's really inspiring. And you know what else is interesting? Those 16 women on the wall, they represent millions of other women that we don't know their names Mm -hmm. that have been incredibly impactful and faithful. Mm -hmm. And because they have kept their covenants, we are each blessed and richer today. So it's not just a president Mm -hmm. that makes a difference, but it's every single one of us. Thank you for sharing that. President Bingham, just to wrap things up, we would love to give you the opportunity if there is anything else on your mind or in your heart that you would love to share with those listening or with the women in the church. If I could say um, one thing to all the women of the church is to reach out to the Savior, Jesus Christ, understand who they are in relation to their divine potential. When we understand that, then it gives us an eternal perspective. It's so easy to get caught in today, particularly right today when it's so difficult all over the world. And yet when we keep an internal perspective, this too shall pass. Mm -hmm, It is really mm -hmm. true. But I am in such awe and admiration of the many, many millions of strong, faithful women around the world who are living the very best they can in very difficult circumstances and yet they are making a difference. They may not see it, but they're making a difference. And the Lord knows it, and he loves each one of them. And so do I. I wish I could give every single woman a hug and my love. Well, we can feel it. President Bingham, thank you so much for your time and being with us today to share these incredible insights and valuable lessons with us and with the women of the church. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. This has been a a marvelous experience. We've loved having you. Thank you. And to our listeners, thank you again for tuning into this episode of the Latter-day Saint Women podcast. And we hope you'll share this episode with your sisters, with your family and friends, those that would appreciate the messages here. We also love hearing from you. We love hearing feedback and ideas for future episodes. You can contact me and Shaylin at podcasts at churchofjesuschrist.org. And we love hearing from you in the ratings and reviews if you leave a rating or review in the, the platform that you're listening on. And until next time, I'm Carly Guyman. And I'm Shailen Back. Have a good day. Mm-hmm.